Please uh, uh, turn with me to Jeremiah, Jeremiah and chapter 24, Jeremiah 24, and we We'll read uh, from <clears throat> verse 16 to 31. Our focus uh, will be on uh, verse 29 uh, this morning. And uh, before we uh, get to the business of reading and uh, preaching of God's word, may I just invite us to turn to the Lord in prayer. Oh Lord, May you answer a prayer that has gone earlier before us. The Lord, you will open up this word to us that you will grant me clarity of thought and speech as I speak to your people. That Lord, we will hear you speak to us even as your word is proclaimed. Pleading our Father that you will be pleased to forgive us of our sin, forgive the sins of the preacher, the sins of the hearer. Lord, our sin will not be a barrier, will not be a hindrance to you speaking to each one of us. Do this for your glory and for your honor. As we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So Jeremiah and chapter 24, I read, as I said, from <clears throat> verse number 16. Thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, they make you worthless they speak a vision of their own hearts not from the mouth of the Lord they continually say to those who despise me the Lord has said you shall have peace and to everyone who walks according to the dictates of his own heart they say no evil shall come upon you. For who has stood in the counsel of the Lord and has perceived and heard his word? Who has marked his word and heard it? Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord has gone forth in fury. A violent whirlwind. It will fall violently on the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and performed the thoughts of his heart. In the latter days, 
you will understand it perfectly. I have not sent these prophets, yet they run. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. Am I a God near at hand, says the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can anyone hide himself in secret places? So shall, not, shall I not see him, says the Lord? Do I not feel the heaven and the earth, says the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said, who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long will this be in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies? Indeed, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart, who try to make my people forget my name by their dreams, which everyone tells his neighbor as their father forgot my forgot my name for bow the prophet who has a dream let him tell a dream and he who has my word let him speak my word faithfully what is the chaff to the wheat says the lord is it is not my word like a fire says the lord like a hammer that breaks the rock to pieces or in pieces. Therefore, behold, I'm against the prophets, says the Lord, who steal my words, everyone from his neighbor. Behold, I'm against the prophets, says the Lord, who use their tongues and say, he says, behold, I'm against those who prophesy false dreams, says the Lord. And tell them and cause my people to err by, by their lies and by, by their recklessness. Yet I did not send them or command them. Therefore, they shall not profit these people at all, says the Lord. The immediate context, the immediate context of our passage, God speaks against false and corrupt prophets and priests in Judah. During this period, Jeremiah would speak against sin and call God's people to repentance. But the false and corrupt prophets who were around at that particular time would instead tell the people to just relax, just enjoy life. And these 
false and corrupt prophets sought to draw people's attention away from God to themselves. It was, in a way, a period when there was this man-created or man-centered message, a message that comforted people in their sins. A time like the one which the Apostle Paul would, uh, would uh, want that it would come. A time when some people having itching ears, as it were, would turn their ears away from the truth and would turn instead to embrace fables. And as a result of this, as a result of the work of these corrupt and false prophets, there was a huge presence of sin in the land. Just look at verses 11 and verse 14. Both, verse 11 of uh, uh, Jeremiah 24, both prophet and priests are profane. Yes, in my house I have found their wickedness. Imagine the extent of having to see wickedness in the house of the Lord. And verse 14 says, Also, I have seen a horrible thing in the prophets of Jerusalem. They commit adultery and walk in lies. Mark what they did to the other people, the one that were listening to them. They also strengthened the hands of evildoers so that no one turns back from his wickedness. All of them are like Sodom to me and her inhabitants like Gomorrah. A huge, heavy presence of wickedness in the land. But in the midst of this heavy wickedness, if I can put it that way, God did not relent in asking his people to stop listening to these false prophets and instead listen to him. And he tells them that these will be judged accordingly. And this is what we see about the whirlwind in verse number 19 and 20. But there were also true prophets in, during this particular time, like the prophet Jeremiah. And God's encouragement to them was that they should continue to faithfully proclaim God's word. And so we read in verse 28, the prophet who has a dream, these are, these are by the way, false prophets, let them go ahead with their false dreams and, and their false prophets. And he who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully, says the Lord. And then he goes on to say, is not my word like fire or like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. God's encouragement, yes, 
is this presence of so many false prophets, corrupt prophets, wicked prophets, as it were. But you, who are true prophets, speak the word faithfully. And in a sense, he is giving the reason why these true prophets should speak the word and speak it faithfully. He gives two reasons because this word is like a fire and this word is like a hammer that breaks the rock to pieces. And hence, my title this morning, The Fire Hammer Power of God's Word. Today, we as believers have an obligation to preach the gospel and we have this obligation to speak to a generation that will rather go to church and just go to church to have this kind of feel-good effect, feel-good sensation to be, in a sense, entertained and to hear what their itching ears are longing to hear. And it is in this context, similar perhaps to uh, the context of wickedness in Judah, that we are called to be faithful in proclaiming God's word. We must do so because God's word is like a fire. God's word is a hammer that breaks rocks to pieces. And so in my discourse this morning, I basically have those two points, that God's word is like a fire, and secondly, God's word is a hammer. And then thereafter, we'll seek to conclude. And so then, God's word is like a fire. One of the characteristics of fire is that fire transforms. It transforms the state of things. It transforms the state of matter. Things that may be considered as useless, useless matter, are transformed into valuable matter. And, and copper is a very good example. We are in a copper-producing uh, region of Zambia. When producing copper, the miners go underground. They uh, look for the uh, copper ore deposit, which is basically a rock that contains this, this copper. And uh, uh, something that perhaps a layman would consider something worthless or useless. And uh, they bring it onto the surface, uh, crush it, put some additives, push it into the fire in the furnaces, and out comes copper. And when it comes, it's glowing with, with fire, and you touch it to your bed. 
The same applies to the production of other metals. We, we, we use steel in construction. Steel is, is a product coming from, uh, again, the earth, the soil, lateritic soil. And again, gotten from the ground, something may be considered worthless. Additives are, give, are put to that, thrown into the furnace, and out comes a valuable product that we call steel. Production of, 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 of cement. Uh, uh, you speak to Dawson, you tell you they just uh, go and uh, get limestone, the rock limestone, they get clay, and uh, they get uh, laterite. So these are so materials that may be considered worthless and uh, they add some materials there, push it in the furnace, and out comes variable cement. What am I saying with those illustrations? While in the marketplace of sin, Christians were essentially useless and worthless. Christians had hard hearts resisting God's word. But ultimately, God's word prevailed upon their hard hearts. Word of the, tr the word of truth effectively touched these hard hearts. Hearts got melted into obedience and surrender to the call of God, subsequently we have been transformed from nobodies to royalty. And now we are referred to as a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, in the words of 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. In the words of Ephesians, we are now citizens of heaven. This word, the wonderful gospel truth, has wonderful power to change the heart of man. But secondly, fire refines. And I want to relate this to the fact that uh, believers in this body called body of death are not perfect. They're not perfect people. And that's why we, we need to repent every now and then. And 1 John 1, say, 1 John 1 verse 9 says, If we claim that we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves. We are like gold which is not yet refined gold with some impurities but full of what I can call potential beauty or hidden beauty and as we come under the teaching of God's word the fire of God's word burns and cleanses away the rubbish or the dross that is in us making us better, making us mature children of God, purifying us as it were, 
for his use. In that regard, the, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, would pray for his disciples just before he was, uh, as it were, sent to Golgotha and crucified. He would pray for his disciples in that high priestly prayer in John chapter 17 and verse 17, and he would say, Sanctify these people with your word. Sanctify these people with your word. In a sense, we can, uh, in, in my words, I would say, refine these people with your word. And it goes on to say, your word is truth. The truth of God found in the Bible. God's word refines us. It makes us better children of God. The psalmist would say concerning the young people, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? How can a young man cleanse his ways, other visions would put it, by living according to your words? And why? Because God's word refines us, it purifies us, makes us better. But thirdly, fire illuminates. We live in a spiritually dark world. A dark world where our souls are often in danger. And as we move in this spiritually dark world, we can easily stumble, we can easily fall, we can easily injure ourselves spiritually. And some of these spiritual injuries can be fatal. Put it another way. What I'm saying is that God's word guides us to differentiate from wrong and to choose the right way. And I believe this is what Moses meant when he pens these words in Psalm 119, verse 109. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God illuminates our paths so that we don't stumble, we don't fall and injure ourselves spiritually. But also, furthermore to that, fire provides warmth and comfort. During the cold season, and the cold season, May, June, July, part of August, many of us would feel very uncomfortable, especially in the evenings. And so we, we long for, for Mbabula to warm ourselves. And those that would uh, afford what is known as an electric blanket uh, in the night as they sleep, they would get that and the electric blanket would provide the warmth. The word of God does more than that. 
Not only does it warm our hearts, it also lifts us out of despondency. The good example is what we see in the story of the road to Emmaus. Story told in Luke and chapter 24. And we have the two disciples, gloomy and sad, because their master has been unfairly, unfairly judged and subsequently crucified and killed. These two are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, disturbed, talking about what had happened. And the story is that we have the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ coming among them. And obviously they don't recognize him because as far as they are concerned, he is dead and buried. And so he asks them, what are you folks talking about? And uh, very interesting answer they give to him. Um, but before that, the, the, the scriptures explain their, their states, their, perhaps can I call it, emotional state. Verse 17. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? And then the one whose name was Cleophas, so their state at this point was a, start, a state of sadness. And Cleophas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not known of, have you not heard the things which happened there in these days? And he says to them, what things? So they are like, you know, it's, it's really sad. How, how people, this is, a, this is a powerful man, in my own words, a powerful man. And he did a lot of great and nice things. And these people just, whatever reason, for whatever reason, they just found him guilty, sent him for crucifixion, and killed him. And I tell you, sir, we were really, really saddened about this. And later, the Lord obviously explains to them what was prophesied in the scriptures and uh, thereafter he vanishes from their sight and suddenly it dawns upon them it was the Lord and they say to one another did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures, did not our hearts get more than warmed, as it were, as this word of life spoke to us? 
the word himself in revealing himself to these disciples more than warmed their hearts. But furthermore, he comforted them in their sadness. And we see them with joy, standing up, heading back to Jerusalem to go and tell their friends that the Savior has risen. Word of God available to us to warm our hearts and to lift us up out of our despondency. But secondly, God's word, the main point, God's word is like a hammer. Like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. And I have three sub points concerning this particular matter. To just speak again from the text and from the fact that Jeremiah is dealing with uh, a people that have really hardened their hearts against the Lord. And this scripture is telling, telling Jeremiah, telling those of us that are children of God, that this word breaks hard hearts. Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse number 2 and 3, we see a bit of a description of the kind of hard-heartedness of these people. Jeremiah 5 and verse 3, verse 2 rather, and 3. And though they say, as the Lord lives, surely they swear falsely. O Lord, are not your eyes on the truth? You have stricken them, but they have not grieved. You have consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than rock. They have refused to return. A picture of more than hardness of heart, as it were. Hardening themselves against the instruction of God. And though they were in this kind of state, God still ages Jeremiah. God still ages us to continue declaring God's word. Because his word is like a, like a hammer that breaks rocks in pieces. A hammer is a basic tool. And all of us can use a hammer. Of course, I'm uh, mindful that they are the so-called 10-pound hammers, maybe 20-pound hammers, that uh, our little friends would struggle to lift. But generally, all of us can use a hammer. 
one does not require special training to learn to use this hammer. A stone breaker simply gets a good hammer, good strong hammer, and uh, collects some stones. Um, uh, those uh, of our brethren and those of us that um, pass through the Chivuluma Road as you going to Kalulushi, you pass through KMB and turn on to the Kalulushi Road. Um, uh, they used to be, uh, maybe they're still there, women and men uh, getting rocks, breaking them to pieces and, and selling them as uh, concrete stone. They did not go to tr for training to use the hammer. They simply have look for a nice good hammer so that they can produce what they desire to produce. The gospel hammer is readily available to us to use. And we, we don't need specialized training to use this hammer, to use this gospel hammer. If we are truly saved, we know the gospel content that led us to realize that we are sinners, that we need the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we have opportunity, and we have many opportunities to share the gospel, let's take this gospel truth, this gospel hammer that enabled us, as it were, to be saved and strike with it as hard as we can as we let God do his work of breaking the hard hearts but having done our part. Let me further go on to say that in the second sub-point that sometimes this hammer requires repeated use to achieve the desired result. And you, if you would speak to those people I talked about along Chibuluma Road that are breaking the rocks uh, to get to the desired size that they want, they keep on hammering onto this big rock. Hammering and hammering until they get the result. With repeated hammering, the rock that does not yield the first time, the rock that does not yield the second time, the third time, perhaps the hundredth time, is likely at long last to yield. Very careful with uh, the words I'm using. Very likely to yield. Repeated hammering would slowly but surely weaken the large hard rock. And perhaps we may just be playing on hammering on this rock and we may not be noticing that it is slowly inwardly or inside of it disintegrating and then one last blow and it disintegrates. What am I saying? 
Brethren, let's keep hammering on. Hammer on with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The heart that is hammered with the gospel once may not yield right away. And the Lord's plan may be that that heart will yield after many hammerings. So let's not give up. You may have been sharing the gospel with, with someone, perhaps your daughter, perhaps your son, perhaps a brother, an uncle, a workmate, a classmate, and they seem to continually and stubbornly reject your message. And the point is, don't give up. Keep striking. Keep striking. Plead that the Lord will help your use of the hammer to break to God's desired peace of that rock. Lastly, before I get to my conclusion, this hammer is a hammer surgical instrument, what I call a hammer surgical instrument. Very strange combination because we know that uh, uh, surgical knives are very, very sharp and uh, the, uh, the hammers are, in a sense, blunt, even, even those other hammers that uh, have some kind of a, a sharp end. Uh, they're also not as sharp as, as, uh, uh, as, as a surgical knife. But the idea comes from Hebrews and chapter 4 and verse 12. The word of God, this hammer, is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Brethren, the word of God penetrates into the depths of our hearts and souls, judging our thoughts, judging our motives, judging our intentions, judging our attitudes. And we must listen. Listen to the word of God. Not only should we listen to it, we should allow the word of God to shape our lives. Shape our lives in the manner that God wants our lives to be. What am I saying in conclusion? Christian friend, apply this fire and hammer power upon yourself. Let the word of God change you. 
desire to spend time in God's words. Allocate ample time in this busy, busy world of ours. Allocate ample time to study God's word and pray that the Lord, as you study God's word, will change you, will mold you, will refine you to make you a better child of God for his great use and for his glory. But also, not only should we apply this fire and hammer power upon ourselves, we should also apply this fire and hammer power upon others. Encourage the brethren with it. Proclaim it to the children and the old. Proclaim it to the poor and the rich. Proclaim it to those that have a different color to us. Apply it to all. Remember this fire power hammer, or rather fire and hammer power in the doctrine of the cross, in the gospel. It is the gospel that changed your heart as a Christian. It is the word of God, the gospel, which God requires us to proclaim for others to come into the kingdom of God. My nine Christian friend, this word, this fire, hammer, powerful word says this to you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Perhaps someone listening to me this morning has heard this gospel and this challenge over and over and over again. Many a preacher have, as it were, hammered repeatedly, hammered repeatedly on this rock, this hard rock. Yet that heart remains unbroken. All that today's hammering, little hammering as it were, bear upon your heart, bear upon your conscience that you will see the need to yield as it were, to yield to the hammering of the gospel. May, he, may, may that happen now. And may God be glorified and honored even as you yield yourself to the gospel of truth. May the Lord add a blessing to these words. Amen. Amen.